Welcome back to the Your First Rental Podcast. No fancy introduction. We just get straight into it, the platinum content that you want. We are back with Chris, my friend. Uh, I talked about his real estate deals uh, in Savannah, Georgia, growing up as just a normal kid, no exposure to real estate, investing, or finances for that matter, kind of figuring it out on his own, instinctively house hacking his place in uh, Savannah when he was a surgical resident, and then his crazy deal with a million-dollar house in uh, Savannah. We're, we're going to go back into that because we're starting a new um, new section of YFR podcast, and that is YFR Time Machine. So if you could go back, let's, let's recap it. You had a, let's just say, a million-dollar property in downtown Savannah, Georgia in the year... 2014. 2014. Bought it for $1.1 1. 1 and the interest rate was? 3.875. And your monthly payment was? About $6,500 a month. Okay, so you're living in this gigantic house. You had companions and people lived there from time to time. Um, and then you sold it three years later for what you bought it for. Right. But if you had a time machine... Tell us, and you know what you know now after listening to every Bigger Pockets podcast in the history of Bigger Pockets. Hey, David, what's up? Um, tell us what you <laughs> would do now. Right. So, what I would do is I would get a short term rental license and I would divide it up by floor and I would have rented out either by floor, by room, or by the entire property, because this property was extremely plush. It was just a block off of the off of uh, Forsyth Park. It was walking distance to the cathedral, all the beautiful restaurants, and all the stuff that downtown in the historic district of Savannah had to offer. So that's so what I would do. You'd Airbnb it? I would Airbnb that or Verbo it all day. Okay, and how many rooms, did it, or how many floors did it have? Three floors. You had the garden level, the main level, and then the upstairs. So upstairs had three, for sure, two beds, two baths, and really you could have converted it to a, a three and two. And then the main level had kind of the common area, uh, the dining room, and then the kitchen, and then it also had a bathroom and a little storage area. And then downstairs you had one bathroom and then three more rooms associated with it so there were nine fireplaces very easily easily could have been split up into three different levels okay but i i don't remember back in the day did did we even have airbnb in 2011 mm, it wasn't 2011 a huge i don't know thing. but certainly in 2014 yeah in the it would have been a wild ride but yeah okay and certainly in the year 2023 you could airbnb that what do you think the monthly rental income what do you guesstimate that would be if you just had, you know, 80% occupancy? Right. So what I would do, um, I would kind of hesitate to speculate essentially at that point in time because Savannah isn't really my market at this point. But what I would do is I would go to AirDNA. You're a big fa fan of AirDNA. Not Air sponsored. Not sponsored by AirDNA. Big fan of AirDNA and Price Labs. Um, and really what AirDNA will do for you is, you know, you will – pay down your monthly payment or a one month time a one month time fee you get access to the zip codes and they will you know you put in your beds and baths you know the comparable statistics 
and then it will run a pro forma for you about what they expect for your gross revenue to be at that point. So that's how I would yeah. go back and check it. But certainly, I think easily covering the 10, no. 10 to $12,000 in the management fees and management all that stuff fees, that come with fees, it. Yeah. And then you're just getting the depreciation, which would have been significant. You're getting the interest deduction. Mm -hmm. You're getting all the expensing. And when you're when you're making a, a very big salary as a big time surgeon, those things matter. Oh, huge. Yeah. And then uh, we did talk about the other option is you, you could have just talked with the neighbors next door that run uh, Airbnbs and whatnot or right. B&Bs yeah, and so just leased option. it to them. Yeah. So Savannah, of course, is a very popular city. Um, and at that point in time, you could convert into a midterm rental. You know, we have a lot of snowbirds that come out of the Northeast and the Midwest that enjoy being there, the digital nomads. Um, there's also quite a few people that just love coming down and enjoying the beautiful weather. The other option is I probably would have been easier considering my schedule is I would have done probably a long-term lease, a 10-year or 15-year lease to the Airbnb, or sorry, to the B&B next door. And um, I would have set that up on a triple net lease. And then just let them worry about renting it out. And that would have been better for them because they didn't, wouldn't have had to come up with the SBA loan. Would have been better for you because you just get to keep owning the property as it appreciates, telling the government that it's depreciating, getting all the expenses, deducting the mortgage interest. And then you would have the appreciation and you'd own the building that today is worth. Probably 1.75 to 1.7. That's why FR Time Machine, if only if only that were real. Okay, now you're a seasoned real estate investor. You've listened to all the podcasts. Um, tell us about your commercial deal, the ins and outs, how it all went down. Right. So this was a significantly bigger deal. So there was, um, across from one of the hospitals that I operate at regularly, uh, was a 10,000-square-foot property um, three stories uh, built into the side of the hill. It had two long-term tenants. It had a dentist, and it had a primary care physician. Uh, so because of ease of use, it's right across from the hospital I was doing most of my cases at um, at that point in time. So it had been on the market, been taken off the market, put on, taken off. And I looked at it, and so I reached out to the broker one day, and I said, hey, you know, I'm a local physician here in San Antonio what could I, you know, could I buy this building? He said, yeah, sure. And uh, we ended up going through the negotiations. Initially, it, this property was owned by a REIT, but it didn't really fit their buy box. It was more effort than it was worth. It wasn't really performing. They didn't have time to really take the time to, like, get it leased up appropriately. It's just more effort than it was worth. And I got to tell you, it was at that point in time I was like, Gosh, you know, I looked at it and looked at the rent rolls when um, we were doing our due diligence, my partner and I, and I did not quite understand how financing for commercial properties was different than residential properties at that point in time. But even based off of my limited knowledge at that point in time, back in the year of 2018 um, into 2019, I was like, holy cow, you know, this thing is leased up at 50%. It's already breaking even. If so we can get, if we can infill the last two spots, this thing's going to cash flow positively in a strong way. 
And you were a uh, practicing uh, surgeon at this time? Yes. In San Antonio. And you're, are you at this time, are you just paying rent to some office building Correct. to run your practice? Do yeah. you remember what that rent was? I think my rent for 1,000, 1,200 square feet, it was a very small office. Um, it was, I'm going to say 3,100 a month, 3,200 okay. a month. So you're paying 3,100 to some someone else to a landlord yeah i was in a sublease arrangement at that point in time okay and then you're you're just one of the things that we always talk about is uh, on the yfr podcast is curiosity so were you just looking around and just saying hey what what's out there yeah so i'd seen the the property come up for sale and the for sale for rent sign multiple times and i said uh, let me just reach out and just see what happens here you know and just get some knowledge and away we went that's always how these stories start is someone just says hey i'm going to take this meeting i'm going to go to this meetup i'm going to go do this i'm going to do that and then taking action so you went and saw it went and saw it and it was terrible (laughs) the the walls it was super musty it smelled of mold in several places it had been a prior x-ray i don't know some office was doing x-rays in it there were lead doors everywhere the walls were this ghastly magenta color, and they had carpet on the floors in a medical office. I mean, it was awful. So I went to a general contractor that I knew, and I said, hey, what do you think You know, it's going to cost to like do this? And you know, after we secured the building, um, we should probably talk about purchase price, financing, and all that sort of stuff, yeah? All right, so tell us about the deal. So initially they wanted $1.3 million. Um, which was really kind of grossly overinflated for the revenue that the property was bringing in. So we ended up going back and forth several times, and we got it for $900,000. We had to come in at 15%, which I think is about $150,000. Let me do the math on that real quick. $135,000. And you did this with a business partner? Correct. Okay, so you and your partner form a company? Yeah, so we formed uh, a company, an LLC, operating agreement, contracts, the whole nine yards. Because that's a big enough piece of property that you you need that to be in an LLC. Yeah, well, and also, if you're going to do it with a partner, you better have an operating agreement. And everybody's friends until... Yeah, you sign the contract, and hopefully you guys will never have to go back and refer to it. But you got it there, and... Honestly, just going to a lawyer, you know, 250 or $500 for an hour yeah. of their time yeah. is well worth the headache on the back end if things go sideways. Yeah. Okay, so you and your friend, partner, bring 135000 to the table, you said? Correct. Yeah, so we went half seas on that. Okay, and that's just you had money saved up from your had, wages? Yeah, so I had money saved up, so I put in half of my cash from that, and then I had a line of credit. Uh, with the bank and I took the other half so I was only in for this whole deal of my own money for 37,000 and change oh so they let you use a line of credit to pay the down payment yes (laughs) okay Uh, I'm not not sure they'd do that today okay so then you are you own the building how much did it cost to do the renovation Um, so the cost for the renovation for my surgery office was about $85,000 Okay, so then... And I also got some tenant improvement dollars from the company itself, from the okay. business, from the building owner, which was me. So you had to bring in $37,000 worth of cash and then 80000 of cash to... 
yeah to my general contractor yeah okay which you split with your partner no that was not oh you just did it yeah so that was strictly my the surgery practice had to pay for that Oh, okay. You your practice paid for that. My practice okay. paid for that, and then the owner of the building, which was me and my partner, mm-hmm. my partner and I, pardon yeah. me, we forked over. I don't remember how much it was a square foot, but essentially it was about eighteen thousand dollars. They chipped in. Okay. The owner of the building chipped in to pay for the renovations. Okay, so you personally are in for forty five thousand. Yep. Okay, and then how long? So you moved in, and in what year? Mm, 2018 into early 2019. Okay, so late 2019. You, um, how many square feet did your surgery practice have? I want to say about 2,300, 2,500. So we doubled our size, and we yeah. only increased our rent payment from like 3,100 to like 5,000 a month. So your uh, your business is a tenant paying, which is so you're basically, you know, house hacking. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you filled it up with other tenants. Right. So the other two tenants at that point in time, the primary care physician and the dentist, were both on just standard uh, pay monthly leases, which, you know, was not particularly useful. So we converted both of them to uh, base rent plus triple net leases. And we okay. signed them both to long term leases. Long term leases. They're happy because the building is getting improved. Uh, they've got triple net leases, and then did you? F- you said it was fifty percent occupancy. Did you fill the other? Right. Did you have a hundred percent? So, the primary care doctor and the dentist took up roughly fifty percent of the square footage. Um, my surgery practice took up the other, you know, one quarter, and then after we did that, we had rent stabilized the building. We did a cash out refinance, and we pulled out about a hundred thousand worth of equity. And then what we did is we went and we took that 100K and we reinvested it in the building and we rehabbed the other vacant space, um, the other 2,500 square feet or however much it was, and then we rented that out to another business. And so So now you have a 100% occupancy. Mm -hmm. What was the the note every month? Mm, I want to say about 8,000. And you're making in rents? I think everyone was paying about five thousand. So you're making twenty thousand in rents. Yeah, I think so. It was about twenty thousand in rents. Eight thousand. Eight thousand, and then it was all triple net, and then all the uh, um, tenants were responsible for their own own HVAC, their own plumbing. You know, yeah. responsible for the rent. So it was cash flowing very well at that point. And you've pulled out a hundred thousand dollars worth of equity mm-hmm. in this thing. So yeah. you're really in it for nothing. Um. Yeah. It was a good deal. And then you guys occupied this property. It was a good property. Everybody paid rent. Everyone's doing well. Any uh, horror stories? Not really because no, it's triple I mean, we, we had this homeless guy camping behind, you know, the HVAC units, so we had to kick him out, you know, standard HVAC repairs. But other than that, nothing Yeah, nothing That's bad. one of the things, I guess, the bigger pockets types would say about commercial is it's just less – you know, with triple nets, it's less emotional. It's just numbers. But if you're making twenty thousand in rent and your notes eight, you're ca- are you cash flowing then? Yeah, you're we're just cash taking flowing. it home and um, distributions. Or uh, yeah, I mean, we're doing occasional distributions. We're leaving a lot of cash within the property itself. Um, you know, for 
capital expenditures. You know, it was starting to get to be a little bit of an older building. Um, yeah. And we wanted to stay on top of, you know, repairs and things of that nature. But to be fair, most of the tenants, you know, my surgery practice included, were responsible for the repairs within the... Within their walls. Within their walls. Okay, so th- this was 2018 into 19? Mm-hmm. What year did you sell this property and why? So sold the property in, I want to say, late October, early November of 22. So you owned it for four years? Yeah, almost. Okay. And then tell us why, how, did you just get an offer you couldn't refuse? or Um, You know, essentially at that point in time, um, we had our loan, I think we had a 15-year amortization, and our balloon payment wasn't due for another several years. Interest rates were starting to go up in the market last year, as you as you well know. You know, when we first bought it, I mean, I think we our interest rate was at like five and a half percent. But you know, as the interest rates went up through 2022, it was going to become increasingly difficult to find a buyer. Um, cap mm-hmm. rates were um, compressing, so the return on someone's capital was pretty small at that point in time. And I really have to give a shout out to our broker. Uh, at that point in time, because he found a fella um, out of California, as a matter of fact, that needed to do a 1031 exchange. And then we ended up brokering uh, the deal, and honestly, the money was too good at that point in time, so we sold it. Um, so you got an offer you couldn't refuse. Who was your broker? Give, give him a shout-out. I got to give a shout-out to uh, Scott Herbold. Uh, he did an excellent job um, for everyone involved. I think the the buyer got himself quite a deal got four long-term leases, rent stabilized, and a rehab building. So it was a safe place to park his money. Yeah, and he's doing a 1031. He's doing 1031. He's not paying taxes on his cash. Um, so it was a good deal for yeah. everyone. And you currently, you're still in the office? Yeah, still in the and office. And you're paying this guy rent? He, yeah, probably we're paying that guy rent now. Gladly. Yeah, happy so, to do it. Okay, so can you break down the numbers for us? So... Over the course of the negotiation, I mean, it was really pretty straightforward. The broker took care of most of it, you know, because he wanted to get the deal done. And frankly, this was probably the deal of the year for 2022. So the buyer ended up coming in with 100K hard, um, which was a non-refundable. What does that mean? Uh, so whenever uh, money goes hard uh-huh. on a real estate deal, typically what that will mean, uh, from my understanding, with my N of one commercial deal, is that the um, earnest money, once it goes hard, is non-refundable. So it's basically earnest money. Correct. You got a $100,000 check mm-hmm. for earnest money. Correct. So at that time, you know this is serious. This deal is going down. Yeah. I mean, because it would have been foolhardy for him to walk away. In it. And yeah. after we knew that he was in a 1031 exchange, Yeah. at that point in time, you know, we know he's not just going to walk away from $100,000. But he pays the one hundred after you guys kind of s- agree on terms. Yeah. Okay, so you guys kind of agree on terms. Yeah, he's doing he his due diligence. Check. Yeah, so I mean, it goes into escrow, and then the escrow uh. company sent us the check. But essentially, Was it a paper check? Just no. wondering what a check for 100000 looks like. Well, I don't know. I've never had a $100,000 check. So what did they just deposit into Yeah, your just account? an ACH. Okay. It's okay. not quite as exciting as yeah. like the big like golf like tournament, golf tournament check. Okay, yes. they just deposit it into your account, into your into your operating account for the business. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Um, and then so he continued to do his due diligence. You know, we sent over rent rolls, maintenance, utilities, tax records, all that sort of stuff. He secured financing. Um, I don't entirely know how much money he was coming in with. I don't remember off the top of my head, but I want to say it was a couple a million and a half. That he, he was, was bringing in? That he was bringing in. Oh, from his exchange. From his exchange. Okay. So he only had to get financing for like another million or whatever the number was. So he well, got, he secured that number at like, I think 6.5%. Okay. So he, what was the sale price? So the sale price, let me think about it. So um, what's 650,000 times two? That's thirteen. That's one point three million. Yeah. So mm, I think it was like two point one million. So the sale price was two point one million. Yeah, because our note was down to seven eighty off a property you bought for nine hundred. Yeah. And in four years, you sold it for two point one. Honestly, I think it was higher than two point one. I think it was like two point three. Because you walked away netting. 700,000 each. After four years. Yeah. And bringing $37,000 of your own money. Yeah. Was that a paper check? No. Just an no. ACH deposit into your ACH bank account? Yeah, but my partner who runs most of that sent me a picture of like the money that hit the account, and we're like, that's a good day. And then that you just transferred it over to your... Yeah, just transferred it over to... Personal... Uh, uh, well, one of my other businesses that invested in that business, but yeah. What's going through your mind as you negotiate a deal for two point whatever million off a property that you bought for nine hundred thousand four years earlier? Kaching. <laughs> what do you think? And again, I see all the elements of what we always talk about here. You're curious, mm -hmm. so you actually made a phone call and said, "Hey, I'd like to take a look at this building." Right. So you're driving around, and you just saw signs on the building that said? Yeah, I mean, it, it's frontage to one of the major roads um, yeah. in this neighborhood that is immediately adjacent to the hospital. Yeah. So I needed office space. I was growing. My office was growing. I needed more space. Yeah. And I looked at the numbers, and I ran them through multiple different calculators, and I said, well, even at 50% occupancy of this in cash flows, if we get to 75% or – at fifty percent occupancy, it pays the note, which mm -hmm. is fine. Yeah, you know because the but after that, whenever you get an one tenant and then a second tenant, yeah, which well you knew you were going to at least be a tenant. Yeah, um, and because you needed a place to work, so that there's the curiosity of just looking at signs, seeing a building, and then taking action, calling the agent, mm -hmm. and then going and looking at it, and then uh, we always say relationship. How did you find Scott, the broker? We called the number on the sign, and that's okay, who that's was the represented. So that was just yep. kind of lucky. Yeah, so he made money on the front end when he sold us the building, yeah. and then he made it money on the back end whenever he uh, sold the building for us. So it's been a good relationship. Yeah. You know, he yeah. comes to us with deals. With deals. We go okay. to him with deals. Um, you know, so now it's a relationship business. Yeah. Because initially, I had put uh, feelers out in early 2018. Yeah. And, you know, he didn't think we were serious so he just blew us off yeah um and then we called him back again and this is where kind of the persistence level comes in we called him back we're like no no we're serious like 
help us through this transaction. I need yeah. a place to work. So you were you took action. You didn't just think about it, dream about it, go home and scroll on Instagram for two hours saying, no. oh, why, why is nothing happening for me? No, because one of the things that I've learned over the course of the last several years is you don't have to have every single bit of information before you start, right? Know what your goal is and then figure out what your most important next step is. Yeah, and that's kind of what it's kind of what you have to do as a surgeon too. Um, I remember someone telling us that when we graduated. Okay, so is that your uh, is that your take home point for the day? I like that. You know, figure out what your most important next step is, yep. and then take it. Yeah, right. you don't need to have the everything figured out. Right, you just need to know the next step and do that. I like that. My take home point is uh, Air DNA. Check it out. I'm going to check it out because I know you use it quite a bit, because your next venture is high-end uh, Airbnb in, in uh, parts of Texas. So, But I think that'll have to be for another episode. I cannot wait. We, we are back. running out of time here. Uh, thanks for joining us here in lovely San Diego. David Green, hope you're listening. Scott, great job, and uh, we'll see you next time.